there are first time buyers in the area that end up working out, but I would much rather go with a buyer who's already bought a property in the sub market before choosing that buyer. I would also ask for a proof of funds to make sure that they can qualify and buy the property. They have enough down. A broker will go with the buyer who has the highest probability to close. This is the naked truth about real estate investing. Your host, Javier, has already been through all the brain damage of this business, so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another no BS episode right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am Javier Hinojo, your host of The Naked Truth About Real Estate Investing. And today we got a broker slash investor out of San Diego, California. We're going to ask him a couple of things like, hey, man, do you really invest for cash flow or appreciation in California? Because I don't know that market. You know, we're going to talk about what, how he got started, got into being a broker, and then how he kind of fell into being an investor. Maybe not fell into, but he actually decided to start investing in multifamily. He's got 80 doors, but he's also done like 200, 220 million in transactions, right? In the last four or five years that he's been a broker. He, I believe he started when he was in college and intern, but I'm going to let Jason just kind of give you guys a little more intro. Jason, welcome to the show. Uh, what else did I miss? Uh, yeah. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for uh, having me, Javier. I guess the only thing is I've been doing this almost five years and younger than that. But yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited to be on and uh, bring some value to your audience. Awesome. So I guess one of the biggest things, you are the first broker, actually, we're almost at, I don't know, maybe 200 episodes or getting close to 200 episodes. And you were the first broker that we have on the show. And I don't know why, right? When I was reading this last week, I said, oh, shoot, I got, I got a commercial broker coming on, which is pretty cool. So, well, okay. So first of all, tell me kind of your history. How did you get into being a commercial uh, broker? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I'm not going to lie. I kind of fell into it. I was in the right place, the right time. You know, hard work does create luck, but uh, I was just, you know, working hard to meet people, trying to network with people to see what industry would fit best for me. I didn't know if I wanted to go into residential real estate or if I wanted to go into uh, office, industrial leasing, whatever it was. I was pretty confused when I was, it was my third year of college. Didn't even know I wanted to be in real estate until probably my sophomore year of college. And then after that, I just met, I met my old mentor, which is a broker of a pretty big commercial real estate firm in San Diego County here and connected with him. We hit it off at a networking event. And then I started interning at his company when I was just 20 years old, got my license, you know, six months later, and then just learned everything I could from him and the company. And then just took off running and, um, I'm strictly in the multifamily space and I've sold a little over 120 properties here in San Diego County for about 225 million in the past, you know, four and a half years. That's awesome. So question, well, first the quote you said, right? And it's, uh, I've heard it a little bit different, but the harder you work, the luckier you get Mm -hmm. something like that, right? Which is, which is true, right? I mean, you know, you just at the right spot at the right, you know, place because you're out there making things happen. Right. And then you just happen to be in the right spot, you know? So uh, I like that quote. Um, so did you end up finish? Did you finish college? I did. Yeah, I did about I think four or five deals before graduating. I was working full time and taking like classes just on stacked on Tuesday, Thursday, and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would uh, come in the office and work full days. So yeah, I mean, with brokerage, as you know, Javier, there's no base salary. So you know, if you're not making deals happen, you're not making any money. So I was, I was worried that after college, I would you know have no nest egg and no money to live off of. So I was kind of pushing hard to do some deals before I was fully on my own after college. Yeah. So um, I used to have I, my wife, when she used to have uh, her team under her, under her uh, real of uh, brokers, I used to say, Hey guys, you know, there's no salary here. So you gotta, you gotta eat what you kill. Right. And then I had a vegan, like, man, how do I eat? Man, I don't kill. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay, great. All right. So you got, I don't know. You gotta eat what you plant, man. I don't know. You know, change the analogy, but anyways, um, yeah, for sure. So, you know, if, if you don't go and, and close a, a deal, right. Or sell a project or, 
right? You don't eat. So, so tell me, how was that process, right? You're kind of college, right? So, you know, I don't know, you don't have a job for say, right? Because you're full-time college student. So coming to intern and kind of working your way up, I don't know if that was a challenge, but just kind of tell me the, kind of like your, your average day. Yeah. I would say the first year, you know, for everyone in real estate is the most challenging. You're learning a lot. You're in the trenches. You're trying to meet people. No one really knows who you are. You're trying to get started, kind of get that first deal under your belt. So the first couple months, I was honestly really lost on like how to make a workday productive. I mean, I don't think anyone that really taught me like how to have a really good structured workday to where you get the max out of your day. I think things started to change for me when when I took the mindset of because I was you know on the phones a lot trying to call owners trying to meet with people. I think when I actually took the mindset of I'm literally sitting here to make calls just to get in front of these owners can't make a sale unless you meet someone in person. I think that's what really changed the trajectory of my career when I realized that if I'm not out there meeting people because the first few months I wasn't meeting anyone I was just on the phones trying to you know make a sale. That's kind of when my career blew up is when you got to get in front of these owners, especially most of them are old school. A lot of these sellers are older people, right? They've owned the property for a while. So you got to put a face to the name if you want to be a successful broker or investor, in my opinion, if you're uh, trying to buy property or sell property. All right. Perfect. So it was just pretty much pounding the phones right at the beginning. Uh, were you more focused on, or on getting some sellers or the buyers are a little bit easier to find? Or I mean, what was your main focus? Yeah, I mean, I was focused on both. I mean, whatever I could get, right? I was, you know, because I would call recent buyers, I would call recent sellers to see if they're maybe transacting more, and then just call owners who've owned for a long time. So I was kind of targeting whatever I could get. If I could go back, I'd probably be more focused on finding sellers because I feel like sellers have much more value. A lot of buyers waste your time. There's a lot of tire kicker buyers out there, but what a seller, you know, if you have control of a deal, that's the most valuable thing uh, in real estate, in my opinion. Well, I think on the buyer side, right? Even if you're doing commercial residential, I mean, that's the ones that are you know work a little bit harder, right? Mm-hmm. If you're selling a property, well, you know, everybody's coming to you, right? So it's um, you're able to vet everybody uh, a little bit, a little bit more. So you were try you were calling recent folks that you know purchased a property, see they're buying more, or somebody who just recently sold a property, see maybe they're buying more, right? Or maybe they're selling more property. So is there such a thing as expired listings in commercial real estate? Can you find expired listings to call? Oh yeah, you definitely can. It's not nearly as effective as residential. I've done it before. I haven't had much success with it. I don't know anyone who's had a lot of success with it, but yeah, all the data is out there for you to find listings in commercial real estate that have expired. But I found that just kind of calling people who have recently transacted is the best way to find leads. Like people who have recently bought or recently sold uh, are the best way to find people who are active in the market. The expired listings, not so much like residential. Yeah, so you get that same information for buyers, sellers, expired listings. You know, I have a CoStar account. I have some other accounts as well. But what, what was the software that you guys use? Yeah, honestly, CoStar is like my number one thing. I think CoStar has all the data you need to be top of the market in commercial real estate. Yeah, so CoStar, LoopNet, my CRM is called Prospect Now. That's been a great CRM to kind of keep track of follow ups and you know, kind of stay on the pulse of my potential pipeline that could turn in deals. Honestly, using those three have been all I've needed to kind of, you know, get going. Cool. So I got a couple of questions, right? And now I want, we're going to eventually hit uh, the fact that you're investing in some properties as well. You bought some properties, but let's talk about when you said earlier, right? Uh, a lot of buyers, you know, kicking tires. So as a broker, right? You, you build this relationship with a seller. So I tell a lot of folks that are jumping into, you know, commercial real estate, multifamily, and they're going to hit up brokers, right? They're going to call brokers and try to get the foot in the door. Um, you know, what I tell them is, and I'll have you, you give me your take on it is, 
you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll use you as an example, right? You, you have a, you have a client and you worked your ass off, man, for five years, you know, you've been working that phone until he gives you a listing, right? And then you already know which buyers are closing because you've been doing this a while. So you already have two, three, four buyers that you know going to buy this, this building, right? Then I come in as a brand new buyer and I call you up, you know, and you decide to go with me because, you know, you know what? You like my personality, whatever, I'm, you know, whatever it is, right? And then, but you, I've never transacted with you before, right? Maybe you're somebody that you know, you know, and then if I don't close, that makes you look bad in front of your client that you work your ass off, right? So, so kind of walk me through this as far as me being a new person calling you in and, you know, kind of how does that work, right? Because you have to do the best for your client. Of course, you got to present all offers, et cetera. The seller does have your ear, you know, because that's what they hired you for. So, I mean, what's kind of your take on, uh, on being in a position like that as a broker? So are you asking me like if I'm representing both sides or like oh, no, um, just if you're just representing a seller and you got just some random new people calling you, how do you kind of protect yourself so you don't have egg on your face by taking on a new buyer that you never worked with before? You know? Got it. I mean, honestly, if if I'm in that situation, you gotta ask the right qualifying questions to make sure that they're qualified to buy the property. I mean, the first question I ask is do you own any property in this area? If they say no, that's you know, that's probably not. I mean, there are first-time buyers in the area that you know end up working out, but I would much rather go with a buyer who's already bought a property in the submarket before choosing that buyer. I would also ask for a proof of funds to make sure that you know they can qualify and buy the property. They have enough down because I can easily calculate how much is needed down by just calculating the the NOI with the DSCR, the debt coverage ratio, to figure out how much they'll need down for the property. So it's always in my package. And then other than that. Those are the two main questions I ask, but I also want to make sure that they seem like they know what they're talking about. I mean, if there's any red flags, like if they ask me some questions like, you know, is, can I put 10% down and buy this property? Like, you know, that's a red flag question for me. I've had that happen a lot. So I think just out of the blue questions that don't make any sense. And then if they, you know, just don't understand like the expectations of what it takes to buy the property, then I'll probably not want to go with them. So to be completely honest, I will go with the buyer, just like any other broker, not just me. A broker will go with the buyer who has the highest probability to close. So not only does it come down to the strength of the buyer, but it also comes down to the strength of your offer. So if you're making an offer on the property, you want to make sure as an investor that you want to be aggressive as possible, but you want to make sure you're protecting yourself. So it's a fine balance if you want to buy a property. So if it's your first time, be careful. But if you know what you're doing and you understand the contingency periods, you know the close of escrow, what it takes to be protected in a contract, you want to be aggressive as you can to meet the timelines so that you have a better chance of getting chosen by a broker like myself. Awesome, that, man. That is a, that is a great, uh, great answer because yeah, at the same time you got to provide yourself some, you know, be safe as you're buying, you're buying a property, but you also got to be competitive, right? And you got to present your offer in a in a good manner, so you know. You, the the broker, the seller, everybody feels confident that you will close. So yeah, definitely key, especially in a crazy real estate market when you have multiple offers, especially in multifamily has been super hot. You got final, you know, the best and final and, you know, everybody just like you're, you're courting somebody, right? You're trying to take me to the prom, right? Take me to the prom. This is why, you know, and, and you do the best you can with what your strategy is, right? There's always going to be somebody out there that's probably might pay more. They might have cash. They might have a 1031 and you might see like, man, they overpaid for that. But it works for them, right? Because maybe it works for their model. So um, that, that is awesome. So what would you say, I know you're in California, San Diego. Do you kind of keep up with the market like outside your area, right? Just kind of, I ask you this because I want to, 
want you to compare, right? Kind of what is it like to buy properties in, in California? I don't own any properties in California. I know I own some properties in, in the Southeast. And so I kind of know those markets, right? It's uh, you can cash flow from day one. You can, so, you know, great, some great areas where you can really force the appreciation, you know, raise the rents. I don't know California, right? I, I don't really know California. Same model, you buy for appreciation or a mixture. So I do study some other markets. Um, I only own I only own in San Diego County right now because I know the market and I have access to a lot of good deals because I'm on the inside track here. But if you were to tell me, you know, why I buy in San Diego, you know, I think the benefits of buying in California is I think just looking at the percentages, it appreciates you know faster than most markets in the U.S. Uh, there's a lot of markets that have high cash flow but very little appreciation. And if you're younger, you're looking to grow, you're looking to grow your wealth, your net worth. I mean, cash flow isn't what grows your net worth. It's the equity gain, the appreciation that grows your net worth. So yeah, I mean, myself, I, I look for, I don't just buy a property and expect it to appreciate. I'll buy a property, make sure that I know I can, like you said, cause the forced appreciation by buying it for a discount. You know, hopefully, you know, 25 to 35% below market value needs a lot of work, a lot of capital expenses. You know, the one thing you got to be careful in California is how you displace tenants. So uh, that process is a lot more delicate than moving out tenants in red states like, you know, Texas or Arizona. So that's the one thing you got to be really careful about. It can be done. The people who tell you that it can't be done are wrong because me and my clients are doing it every single day. But yeah, I mean, I bet our strategies are pretty similar, Javier. Uh, it's just that here, the appreciation is a lot better, but um, unless you buy for, you know, a value add opportunity where you can force appreciation. The cash flow won't be good if you buy a brand new property that's been renovated turnkey. You're not going to have much cash flow, but if you buy a property that you renovate yourself, your cash flow will look pretty good uh, in this area. Well, that's awesome. That's like kind of the double bonus, right? You buy in a high appreciated market and you buy below market where you can force the appreciation. Basically, means you're going to put some some time, energy, and effort into it, right, and make it prettier, raise the rents make it more desirable, treat your clients better, and just have a better clientele. But that means you're going to make more money. You're going to have less expenses. You got a low basis, right? You got it in a good, at a good price. So now you're cash flowing, not just that, but now you're in San Diego. And San Diego is insane. It's always been, even when it goes down, it comes up really fast, right? So you get in both, uh, bo both worlds, which is, uh, which is really nice. That's definitely, definitely cool. So let's talk about you and investing in uh, properties, right? So you started uh, brokering deals. And now you said, okay, great. Uh, what made you say, Hey, I'm going to jump on my first one. I mean, you have a, I believe I'm uh, looking at your uh, bio. Says, um, you have uh, 80 doors right now. Yeah. 80 doors right now. I think I got, I think the reason why I wanted to invest in my first property is because being a broker, I saw how much money my clients were making uh, investing in property here. So the ones who did it right, the ones who I kind of learned the skills from, I asked them a ton of questions and kind of assess like all the potential risks, what could happen, what couldn't happen. Cause you know, when you buy your first property, you're kind of, you're kind of thinking about everything that can go wrong. So I wanted to make sure I knew a lot about the property before I make my first purchase. So I think educating myself was number one and then seeing how much wealth was being created by my investors who were buying right. So I just think it was too much opportunity to uh, pass up in the uh, market that I'm in. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great time to jump in, uh, especially if you get a good opportunity, start buying, building that portfolio. And it's, it only starts snowballing from there. You know, It's only going to get bigger and bigger. Oh, so tell us about mm -hmm. your first project. How'd you come across it? How'd you structure it? And when'd you buy it? Yeah. It's kind of funny. The first property I ever bought was a duplex, central San Diego. Good area, great location. I actually found the property. It was 
uh, found the property myself off market. I was just, you know, calling for uh, sellers, trying to find clients. And I came across a seller who lived in San Jose, California, like seven hours up north in the Bay Area. And he had a property manager that was going to list the property for him. I called the property manager and he gave me the price he was going to list it at. He was going to list it at $750, which was an absolute steal. And then I let the property manager represent me. And because, you know, if you don't know this, if you are an investor and you let the, the listing agent represent you, you have a much higher chance of getting the deal. So I let the prop, property manager represent me. I got an escrow at $750. And then basically the whole foundation of the front house is a raised foundation. It had to be replaced completely. So I used that to negotiate the price down to about 630000 It was a three-bedroom, two-bath Spanish-style house in the front and a little studio house in the back with a huge two-car garage on the back side of the lot with a one-car garage in the front. It was four separate structures. And the great thing about California, which is a great opportunity for anyone who's living here or investing here, is the uh, ADU laws for accessory dwelling units. So you can easily permit and make a garage garage conversion into a legal permitted unit. And you can do it for a very cost-effective price. So the house and the studio costs about $150,000 to fully remodel and renovate. And the garages, including soft costs, permitting fees, et cetera, those costed about 200 grand to renovate. So about a $100,000 per garage. I was into the property for about you know a million dollars and the property appraised for 2.1 million uh, about a few months back. So, Oh, that's, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a good cool. deal. Yeah, definitely for sure. That's what I call a lot of people call it the the burr method, right? Where you buy, you know, re, uh, remodel, um, rent, uh, refinance, and repeat, right? You can definitely burr out of that. Uh, but you did a you did what I call an Uber, not not an Uber like the Uber car, but I call, <laughs> it, I call it the Uber of real estate. Just add a U in front of the burr, and I call it the ultimate burr because it's seven figures. You know, it's a seven figure burr, right? Everybody does it all over across the country, and they're buying houses houses for fifty k, one hundred and fifty k, three hundred k, which is fine. But once you can do it over seven figures, I call it the Uber. So you did the Uber right there, right? <laughs> uh, you can definitely take all your money out if you want it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. And then go rinse and repeat, which is pretty cool. Uh, this is awesome. I appreciate you sharing uh, that with uh, with the listeners. And yeah, I know that in California, in certain areas, you're able to, you know, you can, if you have a decent sized lot, you can you can put a, a garage in the back, a studio in the back and, and just extra income, right? I got a friend of mine who's doing that right now in LA. So which is pretty neat. And he's going to put the house in the market. And he's like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to make a lot more because now it's, you can rent it back. So mm -hmm. uh, pretty cool. Um, so what are you focusing on now? Anything you got coming up? Anything exciting you got going on? Yeah. I'm just trying to grow. I probably spend like 50% of my time on brokerage and 50% on growing the investment business. Our brokerage that I started about a year ago, JLM Real Estate. Uh, we got a great group of guys, about eight you know, agents. So I love coaching them and coaching people that, uh, or trying to get in the business. So that's been really fulfilling. So been loving doing that. And then uh, other than that, just trying to uh, find deals and grow the portfolio and also trying to help educate uh, real estate investors online with by coming on great podcasts like this or posting content on my social. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Great. You mentioned that. So what's a good way? You got IG, LinkedIn, give me a couple of links and uh, we'll make sure they're on the uh, show on the uh, show notes. Yeah, for sure. Most of my socials, my Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Um, it's my full name, Jason Joseph Lee. You look me up, you find me there. And then um, and then on LinkedIn, you can just type my name and I'll come up. And then you can also find some free content on my podcast as well, which is the Multifamily Millionaire Podcast. Multifa um, multifamily Millionaire Podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. 
All right, so Jason Joseph Lee on Instagram, and I'm looking that up right now so I can go ahead and follow you. Awesome. Cool. I'll follow you back. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So you'll have a follower here now, and um, which is cool. So uh, you also did I did I hear something about you do uh, coaching as well? No, I'm just coaching my um, team, my my current team. Yeah, I I do about you know one or two training sessions a week and help okay. them learn the business. So yeah, nothing outside of that. Okay. Let's see here. Let me, my, you know, here we go. Awesome. Uh, see your link tree as well. I just clicked on your link tree. I'm going to follow you here. Make sure I follow your link tree. Click here for free videos on YouTube. Awesome. So you also got a YouTube channel. It's uh, Jason Lee. And now, oh, you hear me in the background? I just, uh, I just uh, subscribed to you to YouTube channel as well and uh, podcast. Awesome. And you got your website there. Great. Pretty much got everything that we need on there. So check out Jason Joseph Lee on Instagram, and then you can get all his uh, link tree from there. Cool. Uh, jo- I want to call you Joseph. Hey, your mom calls you <laughs> Joseph, right? Joseph. And you're like, oh, shoot. I'm <laughs> I appreciate you being on the show. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, and I'm going to switch over to, the, to my favorite part of the show here. No, nothing else I'd like to add. I mean, I guess the only thing is, you know, if you're looking to get into your first investment, I know how tough it can be. I know how you know scary it is. So if you ever need some advice or any help with uh, kind of controlling, you know, those fears that come up and how to, you know, gain knowledge on real estate, I'm happy to help anyone who reaches. Awesome. I appreciate all the information and I'm definitely going to follow the journey because I can see, you know, 800 doors, you know, plus soon, especially as much as you're working and you got your team, you got your brokerage firm. It's always, uh, it's a good place to be because you're going to be able to get some of those off market properties, which you're going to be able to make the best bang for your buck. So definitely looking forward, looking forward to following your journey. With that said, I'm going to, I'm going to the best part of my podcast. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to pull up a, I'm going to share my screen. Okay. And I'm going to pull up a, a roulette and uh, you got to bear with me. Cause I just switched over to Mac and I'm still getting used to it. <laughs> no worries. Still getting there used to it. All right. So you see my, my screen now. Yep. Perfect. All right. So I'm just going to ask you three random questions. Got nothing to do with real estate. And uh, just to make sure that you are a real person, you're not some robot out there. All right. You ready? Sounds good. All right. Let's Let's do it. All right. Great question. So there is a zombie apocalypse and you have three people. You can any, anybody in the world, you have a team. You can pick three people. Who would you want with you? Oh, um, probably number one is Dwayne, the rock Johnson for sure. Big fan. The rock for sure. Uh, that guy will definitely protect me from zombies. Another person, probably Elon Musk. Okay. So that genius will probably figure out how to get out of the apocalypse somehow and bring yeah. uh, humans back to life. And then number three, I mean, just to make me laugh, would be Kevin Hart. Just a funny guy. Awesome. Yeah, you got to have some humor, right? End of the world, right? Got to laugh. For sure. Awesome. So The Rock, Elon Musk, and Kevin Hart. Awesome. Great answers. Great answers. All right. Question number two. All right. So if you could take any celebrity on a date, who would it be? Ooh, any celebrity on a date. I mean, it, it has to be Jennifer Aniston for sure. Uh, can't go bad with Jennifer Aniston. Man. Can't go bad. Uh-uh. Jennifer Aniston on a date. Awesome. Cool. Last question. I actually have a bonus question for you that I just thought about right now. So you're going to get that. <laughs> All right, let's roll. Oh, which is perfect. Favorite food. Ooh, favorite food. Probably sushi. Honestly, can't go wrong with sushi. Sushi. My favorite. Oh yeah. Uh, awesome. Any, any particular? I love bluefin tuna nigiri. That's probably my favorite yeah. favorite dish. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's good. Right, which is, so my bonus question here, uh, which I rarely do, and it has to do with food, right? 
So who has better food, man? LA or San Diego? <laughs> uh, man, it depends where you go, but I've personally had better food in San Diego. I've been to a lot of places in LA, but uh, I've liked San Diego food more, honestly. And more, and more and more new restaurants are coming in that I've been trying. So, Look, man, uh, I don't want to... I've been to LA and I've been to San Diego and I agree with you. The food in San Diego just seems to be a little bit... It's both good, man. LA food is awesome. And for some reason, I just had better experiences in San Diego, just uh, better food. Maybe I've been to the wrong places in LA, but I'm not sure. But you know, nobody ever really talks about it, right? Everybody, hey, LA, great place for food. No, man, San Diego is pretty badass as well. You got some great food out there. So, for all right. Sure. Thank, you for that, thank you for that bonus bonus question. And, and also for being a good sport and jumping on the roulette and on the show and definitely survived our naked truth roulette. Let me give you an applause. <laughs> Jason, man, I, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Uh, everybody check out the links below, uh, podcast, uh, YouTube channel, Instagram. There's a link to the link tree. You can, you can get to all of them from there. Uh, again, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. I am Javier, your host. Don't lose your shirt. Just as promised, I like to give out free stuff, some tools and tips that's actually helped me in my business. There's nothing out there like getting some free stuff that people have spent a lot of time, energy in putting together. It's like a referral. Somebody asked me for an electrician. You don't know what kind of brain damage I had to go through to give you this good referral for an electrician. You got to appreciate referrals from people, okay? because they went through a lot to find that one good person. So I'm going to give you my due diligence template for buying apartment buildings. It's attached to monday.com. It is an affiliate link. So they're going to send me a kickback, not a lot, but a little bit, but you can either download it as an Excel, or you can put it on monday.com. Monday.com is pretty cool because it's a project management platform software. It's super cool. I use it all the time for my social media, for my team, tracking deals, doing tasks, for everybody. It's, uh, it's actually pretty good. You can track construction. It's a project management platform. It's a really cool Monday, like the day, monday.com. So my due diligence checklist is there for free for you. This has been The Naked Truth. Our mission is to give it to you raw. If you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.